episode 126 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about our Games of the Month for September. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about what we played, what we want to bring back to the table, what we're getting rid of, and our choices for Game of the Month. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about what we played in September. I like months where... I thought you were going to start with I like months. I did start with I like months. I know. I thought that was going to be it. No, no. I mean, I, I have something to say about certain months about, that I like. Okay. I like when the number of the month is indicated in the nomenclature of the month. It's happened, it happens a lot. What are you talking about? September, like, is, you know, I, I think the word September is kind of rooted this in other words This is not the strongest. Seven. seven? October is a good one, except it's ten for some weird reason. Yeah, because that'd be eight, isn't it? I think it used to be the eighth month of the year, and then weird things happened. We're not... Let's talk about board games. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so this month, I played 41 different games. I played 15. 58 total times. So I had 58 plays on 41 games. I was not as active. No, what were your... Did you play anything more than once? No, my H index is one, and there wasn't a game that I could have played to increase it to two. Yeah, mine's two... Um, uh, I will say that I played Turing Machine more than anything else because you can now, there's like a hundred. I didn't know you were playing Turing Machine. I feel like on, you should have invited me into it. You can do the daily challenge on BGA now. BGA also just got, um, Sky Team. Oh. Anyways, so I was playing the daily Turing Machine challenge for about two weeks 14, 14 times. times. Yeah, right. I think sometimes I played more than once in a day. And it does also still increment up your total BGA play. So if you get up to like, I think it's 750 maybe. Yeah, I can't remember the number. You can be a reviewer. You get reviewer status. And oh, you can play yeah, alpha nice. games. And then you're slightly less surprised when things show up. But still surprised, I guess, when they come to alpha. So yeah, yeah. I just heard the Sky Team was on there today. So I played that a ton. But everything else, at most two plays. Right. Right. If not just one play. Your 15 are going to be included in this. But here are my 41 games. Some of them I played and maybe even abandoned on BGA. So caveat. Got it. Bamboozle, Books of Time, Bunny Kingdom, Byword, Calico, Cascadia, Quaddle. I could be saying that wrong. Codal? Coin Age, The Crew, Mission Deep Sea, Cryo, Dead Man's Blooms, Dragon Castle, Earth, Expeditions Around the World, Far Away, Garden Nation, The Guild of Merchant Explorers, Half-Truth, Illiterati, Isle of Cats Explore and Draw, Juicy Fruits, Last Will, Lewis and Clark, Make the Difference, My City, Next Station Tokyo, Off the Rails, The Princes of Florence, The Prodigal's Club, Sea of Clouds, Shipwrights of the North Sea, Skate Legend, Splito, Star Realm, Stardust Coffee, Trek 12, Tungaru, Turing Machine, Verdant, War the Ring, the card game, and Yamatai. Nice. I played 15 of those. Yeah, yeah. The they first were in one there. you mentioned that I played was Cryo. You played a lot of early alphabet games. Uh, I did. Calico, Cascadia, and Verdant, I played. Like, I just had a solo uh, marathon and played through those. And they're kind of, they're not really sequels to one another, but they're all by the same publisher. So, and then some of them have the same artwork, same artist, Beth Sobel. Maybe they all do. So yeah, I kind of played those in series and really going back and playing them. I mean, we'll get to it, but I liked them in different orders than I used to. Like I would say my ranking is a little different for them now than it used to be. What else was played the most besides Turing Machine? For me, Earth, Adam and I accidentally started two games of Earth 
on VGA. So that was almost sort of an accident. Guild of Merchant Explorers, I played it solo twice back to back. Same with Juicy Fruits and Star Realms. Okay. I just want to want want once of everything. Yes. And then games added to the collection. I think the game nerd sale might have actually been in August, but you can like hold everything that you buy from game nerds until you're ready to release them. And then their releases were running slow. So I released it and it took a while before they actually shipped it. But that was Woodcraft, Lacrimosa, Tillatum, War the Ring the Card Game, and Books of Time. So only a couple of those have we played yet. And then Sea of Clouds and Power Grade from Half Price Books. Yeah. And the games that were sold, still none sold. Still a very big pile. I'm trying to decide, do I want to get down we, to a certain number? And like, could I just sell them all in bulk to a person? We did get rid of Micro Macro. We got rid of Micro Macro, what's it called? Full House, like yeah. the second one. Yeah, mm-hmm. our friends came over and they uh, saw the stack of games by the door, which is maybe it's going to become like, ah, oh, thank you for visiting. Please take a game um they had the first one hadn't tried it yet and i was like do you have the second one and they're like no i was like well here you go i'll try have a good evening yeah pretty fun yeah and once you've played it you could play it again like as time goes by you'll forget the cases and like you could open it up and play it again but it's just as well kind of the same way of like a jigsaw puzzle you could put together a puzzle again but also once you've done it you could just kind of pass it on to a friend and they can have equally yeah. as much fun and we didn't like even though it's already been open ours or like otherwise to face it in a way that no. would make it unplayable no we did not you, deface one it. could do that you could do that and you could color it in honestly like yeah. a big old you know colored in like a big old poster when you were done that'd be kind of fun where and with who did we play games nothing out of the ordinary this time we were pretty much at home just playing games with one another playing on board game arena at uh, the coffee shop yeah at the coffee shop not too much outside of that so that was a pretty quick Summary, I feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah, for how many games there were. But there were a lot. I, I'll say that um, Lewis and Clark, I abandoned that. That was solo. I saw that it was solo on BGA. And I started playing. I'm like, oh, I think I remember how I played this. I'm like, no, I don't. And I was like, eh, I think I'm done with that. And there were a couple that Adam and I were playing that we abandoned. But I don't remember yeah. which ones those are now. And but then it looks the- like you didn't, you didn't log strike, which we played with our friends. I didn't log strike. That was just this weekend. Yeah, I didn't log strike. Kind of, sort of played minute work, but not not totally. Uh, just kind of showed that one off, I would say. And then you won a game of strike. I did win a game of strike. I you won played two games. I, played two I just games played one. I lost the one that I played. What did I play the most? Strike. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you did actually have two games of strike. Yeah. So no, strike wasn't in there. Um, I think that is it. So moving on to back to the table. So for me, the back to the table is a game that we've played for the first time. We played Cryo for the first time this last weekend. Oh, yeah. And I played it in a very... So I, I we read the rules, and then I got my starting cards, and my starting cards suggested to me a play-it-fast strategy, uh, which, which which ended up working. I won the game. But I want to bring it back to the table because I want to try to... I feel like it's a game it where there's ways. a lot of different ways to play it, and I want to see what else is kind of in it. But I really liked the economy of the game. I liked... It was kind of like some worker placement stuff. It was kind of like some resource management and transformation stuff. Yeah. And I thought there was a lot in it, and I enjoyed it a lot. I feel like there's both a lot in it, but ultimately it wasn't like an overwhelming amount of things because the resources... There's four different resources, but you can only have at... Four, four or five. At most of them. I think it's just four, right? The little uh, there's a tracker one of them, on your board. I thought the tech went up to five. Oh, does one of them go up to five? Yeah, I think so. Shows how well I did. 
Um, so it just has a tracker on your board and it's a nice dual layered board. That player board also allows you to customize it basically for your actions. It's worker placement, but your worker is a drone and you get to choose when to bring back your workers. If you have none, you have to bring them back. And in bringing them back, you get to take these actions, but instead of uh, only one of them is like a truly just free action, just get a thing. Right. Everything else you get to decide by uh, the actions that you take on the board, you get to decide what tiles come back to your player board to determine the cost to take the actions or, or that are printed. And sometimes the reward. So there's some like, uh, like only the whole... twice. Well, but or, I mean, there's only I like said, six yeah, columns. There's one where you just get the reward. Like you just get the action. You just get the thing without having to uh, pay anything else first. And then on another one, you get to decide both what you pay and what you get. Yeah, and you can scrap those things, so you can change your yes, that your, was your own actions in the middle of the game. To that some benefit. was big for me because you don't kind of get locked into something. I think there's definitely bigger, heavier games where you start going off to a plan, and you're like, "Oh, this is actually only good for two turns, and now I well, I can't do anything." I liked also that when you scrap something, you got a you got a benefit. Like you, like, oh, you, you got to take so it. It's not yes, a lot, in a lot of thing. those, in like a lot of the bigger Euro games, if you end up needing to switch wasted. directions, you're wasting something. But in this case, you kind of get to take the action one more time on the way out. And I think that ability to scrap something, it's just sort of a free action you can do at any point in your turn. Yeah. There's things to scrap on cards, which the cards are multi use cards. You can put them at the top of your board for an ongoing ability, you can put them at the bottom of the board. Vehicle. To be like a vehicle. You can also put them face down next to your board because along the side of every card there is an in-game scoring condition. Yeah, which they call missions. Sure. And it's that classic thing of deciding where can you best use this card. It's not terribly hard to get more cards, but it's also you're not necessarily going to have a ton of them. No. And I don't think it, it's great. You, your free action was getting cards. So that that I that did that maybe and, affects your opinion of that. And you can on those cards that's the fourth use is that when you scrap it they have um resources, resources printed on them that you get when you scrap it it was definitely an interesting balance between these different resources because the bigger story is that the theme of the game is that you've crash landed onto a planet like you were a space fares in cryogenesis kind of sleep you've crash landed and now you're trying to dig into the caverns of this planet, try to get down underground where it's warmer so that you can have a chance of surviving. So you're trying to kind of marshal your resources from the broken apart ship and get the people down into the caverns. And that's really where you score the points. It's not a high scoring game. Well, I think our opinion of that might be colored by the fact that I played it as fast as possible. That's true. But even so... Even if you had all of your people in their highest scoring right. places, you could have only three missions in game scoring conditions right. um, and you can't duplicate them. So it can't be that situation There's where no stacking. I've done one thing perfectly and I'm going to get maximum points for it. it. It wants you to diversify a little more than that. And when you're playing in two player or the play count determines how many actions are available on the board. Yeah, I think the one thing that we didn't really exploit from scoring is if we we only excavated like a third of the bottom part of the board yeah each time you put someone in there the winner of that like cavern section gets four two or five points so 
by not excavating and using those, there's like five, four, two, five, like points that we yeah. didn't, that, that didn't end up in our game. All that said, I don't think the, the game timer, as Aaron's referencing that he made the game go faster, the game timer, when you pull back your drones, yep. which are your workers, when you pull them back, you choose one of the four locations where the ship is broken apart on the board. And you reveal this tile and there's a set number of tiles based on how many people are playing. You reveal a tile. It's either going to be a good bonus for you or kind of a generic for everyone. Generic destruction. It might be it might end up being bad for you, but you'll probably try to make it bad for other people, not yourself. And after that happens, it's like 12 or 14 times. Maybe I don't remember the exact amount, but it's based on the play count then the game is over. But you can, if you were to use all of your workers before ever pulling them back, and even when you get to the end, you can choose, once there's no more tiles left, there's like a final tile. Right. And you could choose to avoid that final tile until you had to flip it. Right. And, and I, I picked the final, once it was out, I picked the final tile to go ahead and end it because I was not getting more points. It was like 25 to 21. That's correct. At the end. So yeah, it wasn't too far apart, but... I think if there had been another couple turns, I wasn't. Well, I, mean, I, I, I think was I was. Gonna, I was kind of maxed out. I was going to end the game if you didn't. So, and like oh, in terms of me could, saying, you I could have scored it, more points though. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was winning already, and I didn't know what else you had cooking. Yeah. Oh, nothing. There was <laughs> nothing on the stove, nothing in the oven, no yeah. cooking happening whatsoever. So you have, yeah, you have three drones, and to make it go fast, as Kelly mentioned, when you pull back, you push the game along. I just only ever played one worker and pulled back. One worker pulled back. Did you only ever do one? I never had two on the board. Why? Did, not even at the beginning? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. No, I went hard in. I had that card that basically gave me like a a, a point bonus for collecting those tokens. And so that means you probably... That means you probably pulled back like nine ish times maybe and i probably did like five because i sometimes would pull back early right and i actually by watching you i realized that one of the cards that you could put at the top of your board to give you an ongoing ability was that when you pull things back because you have to place a drone to take the action right right. when you pull things back you could just take another available action that you had on your board and i was just imagining that's after you put everything out and Aaron, you know, being good at rules and games, put one thing out, pulled it back, took two actions. Right. So you were getting, that's how you were getting a lot done. And I think maybe that's, that might not be as viable in a higher player count game. Yeah, I don't know that. It might not balance I think, the same way. I, I think it worked in a first playthrough because we were all still learning the game and it was kind of an yeah. easy button way to play. But I don't know that it would work against me or you if we knew how to play the game yeah because i was still trying to it's definitely a game where this resource does this this resource does that and as you're trying to accomplish a task you might need to weave in and out of different resources for different things that you need to get it was also pretty dependent on me getting the two the two cards i got at the beginning of the game to make to like to be able to get the actions yeah Yeah. because if you couldn't if you weren't getting the actions that would have been worse and then i got the bonus for pulling in the tiles anyway that that we've talked a lot about i I want to get it back to the table yeah yeah we've talked almost a review amount about it but it the artwork is a very distinct and very well fit to the theme it is like kind of a big board for what you play and all of the components are very nice. Oh, super good. So it's very nice to interact with and you don't feel like in other situations, the dual layer board, how clear everything is, it makes it easier to play and get into the game because the admin for it is very easy. 
Yeah. You're not like fiddling around, even though it has all these different pieces to it. Um, so what do you want back to the table? I have listed multiple things that I'd like to play more. And I did play Star Realms, Verdant, Merchant Explorers. I played all of those twice. So in a sense, I feel like I'm going to push that off to the side and say Books of Time. That's one of the ones I got on the Game Nerd sale. It's not a game that I really had heard about. Yeah. Otherwise, it just like the way the Game Nerd sale works every hour, they have a number of things that go up like every two or three minutes for like the for a while. So it goes up. They have they show you how much of the stock it has. And you can try to buy it. And that's why it's helpful that they let you queue all of your purchases so that then you can save on shipping if you get a whole bunch. And that can you can do that for months. You right. don't have to do it just for this sale. That's just an ongoing thing they have. When I opened Books of Time, because I didn't know anything about it, I just saw the cover. I'm like, oh, cool. It looks like a kind of history yeah. and science-y sort of thing. We'll see what's inside. I open it. And inside, the box is packed. And there's like a bag full of little tiny like binder clips, like two hole punch binder clips, not a full binder, but just the metal part mm -hmm. and the rings. And I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into, but this is neat. So you actually make little books, like little binders as you play. And those binders have your actions in them and you're kind of writing pages. Oh, I did watch you play that. It did look fun. Into these different books. I Yeah, I played it solo. It's... I'm interested to play it multiplayer and also play it again solo because the way that you're building the books, like I don't feel like I really maximized what was happening there, um, but you're in control of how you're mixing these books together. And kind of like the last game, we said that when you have to reset, there's kind of an action that you get. That is similar in this game too. When you get to the end of the book or choose to close the book and open it again, you get all of the, there's certain items you get from every page in the book marked on the page when you go back. Right. So planning the flow of your resources to know like, okay, well, when I close this, then I'll have all these things. That'll let me do this. Cause you have to take the it's pages. Engine buildy for sure. Yeah. You have to take the pages from the general kind of market where everyone has them into your own. And then from there, you still have to write them into your own book. So Really interesting components. Um, I don't think there was much. They had the little binders and everything, which was really cool. But the rest of the components were what you would expect. They're just like cardboard tokens right, and right. all the pages. The book pages are a good size. Not too hard to shuffle, but you do need to shuffle those. Yeah, it was really it was really nice. So I'm interested both to get a better handle on get a better handle on the engine building that's yeah. happening there and kind of understand what's on different pages. And I don't think, speaking of shuffling the pages, I don't think I shuffled the pages well enough for the first play. Oh, okay. I think you, you mentioned that like some, I, one of the actions just buried in the deck. Yeah. They have different icons on them based on color. There's three different colors. And for each one of the colors, there was one icon that just either didn't show up at all or maybe showed up once basically through the whole game mm. and the way that the way that you have to accomplish certain tasks that does not seem to there's no reason to set the deck up that way that i think that was just because it was new i did shuffle it but it just needed to be shuffled more thoroughly yeah so i think the next game will also be better for that reason yeah yeah and i also liked about the game that in the middle of the rule book which is not sometimes it's a bit much when you're just trying to play a game where they also want to give you a history lesson but for every card they have in there like the artwork on it it's referring to a certain 
something actually in history. Oh. And sometimes those were like inventors or scientists or pioneers in different fields. And they were very diverse in their representation and people that I had never heard of before. Certainly some people you had right. heard more than, I think Pythagoras is one of them. So it's like, yes. Yeah. Um, I think but, he had a theorem, something about. Yeah, but there was also lots of other just information in there that I didn't already know. And I think games are such a nice way to fold some of those actual things in because, you know, we don't necessarily need a theme on any game. Right. So when you're doing it, that uh, that tangential learning opportunity that you don't have to take that in, but it is there. And you might just then recognize a picture of this person later and be like, "What? that's the person from the game. I think that's always like a quality, another layer of quality for games to have. Now, of games that don't have layers of quality. Well, they do still have layers of quality, but that doesn't mean that we're keeping them. Yeah. The ever growing collection, because I have now got the our front room is where we have all of our game shelves where we're recording this right now and i've gotten it into a place where i'm very satisfied with the layout which means i don't want to exceed the number of games that can be held by the current layout so i am still keeping that number down and kind of turning things over as far as what do we as we're getting a little more we spend more time in board games as we are aging through the hobby. Like we're knowing what we like and don't like more and still discovering new games at the same time. So the ones right now that might not stay that were played this month are Trek 12, Garden Nation, Half Truth, War the Ring, the card game, Stardust Coffee, Dead Man's Doubloons and Shipwrights of the North Sea, which I know there's a new version of that one. And I might look into that. It used I used to like that game more, but we had a playthrough where it just went awful for me. And I was kind of like, well, if this is an option in this game, maybe I don't want this game. Yeah, you can get bad deck, deck math in that game. Like I said, I know there's a new edition of that game, and I'm not sure. It's I know it's revised. I don't know everything that they right. changed. So at first I was like, oh, no, I like the regular edition. I don't think I want the new one. And now I'm like, well, maybe I do. Um Dead Man's Doubloons was fine. It just wasn't great. Probably also a little better at a higher play count. Stardust Coffee, we felt like it could have just been kind of a bad rule book and not the best graphic design. Yeah. It was a Kickstarter game, so you could put some of it on that as well. It just doesn't have the same level of polish and finish that some other like mass-produced published games, retail games might have. Uh, Half Truth is by Richard Garfield and Ken Jennings. It's a perfectly fine little like quiz game. I just didn't like it. I'm pretty sad it's on the list, to be honest with you. I did not have fun with it at all because it felt more like it was just telling me all the things I didn't know. I, I, I was I felt like it was telling me all the things I didn't know, but that was like a positive thing. Yeah. And I and I think you're right. I think that was the intention. The there's a card and for all these cards there's tons of cards in the game like 500 and it will say something some kind of statement and then give six options and three of those options are categorically correct are correct and three of them are wrong and you do a little thing with like a, a dice and there's there's a little bit more going on you don't always want to be picking the ones that are true it's kind of a true false thing like um you know it might be like movies that won a 
uh, best picture of the year. Right. It might be something like that. Maybe. I don't know if that card's in there or not. And so then they'd list six movies and three of them would have actually won and the other three would not have. So every once in a while, you're trying to pick the ones that didn't, but usually you're trying to pick the ones that do. It, the value of the points for getting it right does not stay consistent through the game. That's another right. kind of thing that, and so it's nice. I think it would be better on teams. I think it'd be a little more fun on teams. Yeah. Like the that's discussions you'd have I about it, should, it. I don't think it should be in the collection because I think we should try it with a group of people. I think the number of games I want to keep for a group of people should be proportional to how many times we're playing, how often we're playing games with a group of people, which is lower I, than not. I will say the implementation, while, while we throw it in the collection, the implementation was really nice. It had some interesting geography on the cards and the color scheme so that like the answers were all kind of like lined up in like a... Oh like yeah, the way. way the board, you set the card in the middle of the board and it has two columns of three choices each. And then there's like a half circle around the bottom of the board that kind of points to each one of those yeah, so selections you, because you, you have to use little like betting chips kind of. Yeah. And I thought the implementation was really nice. So if you yeah. f figure out where Kelly sells all of our games, you should go pick up the half truth. Right. I got it from Barnes. They probably don't have any more because I got it on clearance at Barnes and Noble for not very much. I was interested based on the people that made it, but I know I'm not a big trivia gamer, so that's not a huge surprise. Garden Nation was just fine. I think we half mentioned it on the last game of the month because we had already played it even because it was yeah. in the next month already when we recorded. It was it was fine. It just wasn't anything so special as to keep War of the Ring. Oh, Trek 12. Same yeah. same situation. There's all these envelopes you have to open in Trek 12 and you're meant to open them as you play and achieve things. And I decided to just open the envelopes and see if that would sway me into keeping the game it's a roll and write it's not it's not bad but it's just one that didn't resonate with me so i opened the envelopes to see what was in there to see if like does this add a twist that is more enticing to me and i didn't feel like it did it it had a good amount of content though i think that was nice but i just think ultimately i'd rather play rather just rather play something else i think on the shelf especially of roll and rights and i'd be playing it solo there's there's other things i prefer yeah now let's talk about things that did resonate with us. Well, I was going to say, if you want to talk about War of the Ring. The only thing I have about War of the Ring is it's a card game. I thought the theming was fun. I liked the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. I thought the, the characters and the little actions were tied together nicely. Unfortunately, very often, you, the cards in your hand needed conditions to be met that weren't met, and you just wasted turns, and it's not fun. And I think there's a balance of like you're meant to be... I can just watch be... the movies. Right, and have a great time. It's fine. I think there's a balance that you're meant to be putting things, I don't remember what they called it, in your reserve or something. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think you're meant to be putting more things there so that you can have them to put out when the right card shows up. And it's that same kind of deck building that comes not from like deck building board games, but like full on card games, like yeah. collectible card games or trading card games. That type of deck building, which neither one of us are necessarily huge on. No, it's not my favorite type. I, of I was playing as the free peoples. Is that was that? The... Yeah, you were the free peoples, and I was the shadow. Yeah, and so Gimli was in there. Yeah, Gimli, the dwarf. And like you have these different um, factions of cards that you're Races. putting all together as your as the decks you're using. And we were just doing two player. It's meant for four player, but you can like you can play two handed. Both of you can play two handed. And in that deck, the dwarf faction was just him. Two cards. 
and his axe. It's a very nice axe. And I am very annoyed that he couldn't just hold on to his axe because well, like, it was on another card. Yeah, I know it was on another card. They should have just drawn his axe on his card. And then maybe there's just one card. So like little things like that where it's like, you mean there's just one other card for this guy in this whole deck? Like, I don't find that an exciting and fun strategy as to how am I going to reunite the two. Right. But it was very powerful when you had it. It was powerful when you had it. But yeah, I, I very much felt like I constantly just had cards that were not able to be played. So it felt like the game didn't want me to play it. If you're into that kind of deck building and using your reserve and kind of trying to orchestrate these cards through your hand, I'm sure it is fun. Yeah, I think that's right. We didn't really capture that fun. So now our game of the month. So my game of the month, there, it probably should be the last Willow of the Prodigals Club. But it's not because we talked about those extensively on a review, and I talked. Oh yeah, about I haven't I released it yet, but I think I'll do it before this comes out. So well, you can hear how much we like those games, yeah, either before either, or after this. Yeah. So I'm going to go with a kind of a surprise pick and say that my game of the month is oh. Make the Difference, and the reason Make that the Difference is a surprise one. We'd had a review about it. Yeah. Well, and I think just I'll just suffice it to say that Make the Difference did make the difference for me because I did not expect to like it, and I did. Mm. So it wins the game of the month. Oh, very nice. I now I didn't expect to like Star Realms as much as I did. Even like reading the rules at first, I was like, eh, that's not making my game of the month, though. But I'm just saying in a related way, my game of the month, which we need to play together because I played it solo, is Alliterati. Oh, okay. And it was a game that I had referenced a bunch because I had wanted wanted to play it. it. And I was trying to wait till we got through like all the games and whatever. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and play this. You are uh, the theming is very cute. Well, I mean, I guess it's like kind of evil, but in like an adorable way that there's a group of people trying to spread illiteracy and trying to destroy books. And you're working to spread literacy and keep books alive, keep reading alive. How you're doing this is through a word scramble kind of game where you are taking tiles out of the bag. You'll have this book card that has a objective on it of types of words that you need to create. It might be like words related to sports, and then you might have certain uh symbols that you need to have in that word because the tiles have different symbols on them and you have to over different rounds be trying to get all of the letters into words there's like blank tiles there's ways that kind of help you make that happen if you don't have the best pick of letters and you can play it solo or multiplayer it's cooperative game and there is a timer to it so you are under the pressure of time but when you are trying to like make words that all relate to sports you don't have to do that you can work on it over different rounds but you do have to get all of your letters into a word got it so that's kind of the time pressure that makes it it makes it possible for you to do that but then there's still this push for you to try to make specific words i I could call it like heavy bananagrams cooperative bananagrams you're not trying to make like a that's not a crossword i don't know what you call those you're not trying to do that but Yes, you are grabbing tiles. You're trying to make words. You might rearrange the words you have into new words, depending on what you pull, which is very Bananagrams-like. Yeah. And it's really nicely produced as well. Like, all the the pieces are super nice, and that's always a... I'm a sucker for a well-produced game. Well, I think uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, then. Oh, you're looking forward to Alliterati. Oh, I said before we started recording that everything I keep saying I'm looking forward to, I don't end up playing. 
So I think I'm just looking forward to it being like cozy season. I'm looking forward to oh. fall. It was still very hot this weekend, even though it was basically October here in the Midwest. And I'm ready for things to kind of settle down because things are usually busier in summer. You know, you're usually yeah. we traveled a lot more than we typically do as well over the summer. So I'm kind of ready to just get into that pre-winter stage where you're getting things yeah. cleaned up, kind of slowing everything down and maybe even playing some. We might do a episode on like cozy themed games. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, that'd be nice. Right. Thank you so much for listening to episode 126. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We're still trying to play through our whole collection and have slowed down on game acquisitions. Hopefully that will help us get to the end of these in the last couple months of the year. What might not help is our next episode about shopping for ding and dent games. We recorded it a while ago, so you probably won't find the same games, but there's always surprising deals to be discovered. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 125 more episodes headed your way, the next one being the review we mentioned in this episode for Last Will and the Prodigals Club. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. <laughs>